Good morning. We welcome you to the services of the Boonville Church of Christ. As you can see on the screen, our theme this year is Seek and Do. I am so glad that you're here to worship God this morning. We welcome those who are joining us on social media. In our service this morning, Brother Bo Gross will be leading our singing. Brother Jerry Barrett will have the opening prayer. Brother Jonathan Green is scheduled to read our scripture. Brother Ken is uh, going to be speaking to us this morning about distracted service. I will coordinate our observance of the Lord's Supper. And then Brother Randy Moore will have the announcements and closing prayer. We were notified this morning that our sister June Cupper is not doing well at all, and we've been asked to remember her in prayer. As we begin, would you bow with me, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the opportunity we have to worship Thee. We're so thankful for the hope that those that serve you have after this life. Father, we are mindful of our sister June Cupper this morning. We pray that you would uh, be with her and be with her family, uh, comfort her. And Father, we pray that your will be done in her life. We love you, Father. We ask now that you be with us as we worship thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. First song this morning, number 539, Higher Ground.
pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, as always, we're so grateful this morning, so aware of thy mercy. Father, we know we're given an option to do so many things. May we always make the right choices. May we not be deceived. May we always go by thy will and thy plan. We know there's a difference between good and evil. May we never go down the, the wrong path. May we never cease to remember these things. May we think on these things. May we meditate on thy word. May we always be grateful for what you've given us. May we always be thankful for your plan. May we always know that everything is possible because you sent your son to die for each and every one of us. Heavenly Father, as we go through this service today, may it be according to your plan and may it be pleasing in thy sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Next song will be In Christ Alone. <clears throat>
Psalm number 911. 911. Psalm before our scripture reading, unto thee, O Lord. Unto thee, O Lord. I'll be reading to you this morning uh, from the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, um, beginning here with verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Good morning to everybody. It's great to see you today. Well, we went through maybe, I hope, the last vestiges of winter. Yay! And now we're looking towards spring, yes? And I, I, don't, I don't remember ever living in a place where there were so many of those Bradford pears. 
I mean, they're everywhere, and aren't they beautiful? Now, I said that to the morning group, and I just went on and on about the beauty of spring and how that's just a harbinger of things to come and just so excited. And then Joe Garrett came to me afterward, and he said, let me tell you something about those Bradford Pears. And then he just, he just ruined it for me. So I'm going to, here's what I learned. I'm going to enjoy your Bradford Pears, and I don't plan to plan any of those things because they're, they're a nuisance. Still, beautiful, aren't they? And we see spring come and life and so many good things happening around us, but one thing we can always count on is that no matter what's happening outside, when we come together in here, it's springtime every Sunday. At least it is for me. Because it's about life and hope and joy and celebration in the Lord. I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that I'm here to be with you as we enjoy our time of worship together. And thanks to all those who have led us in these various aspects of our worship. And now we will be entering into another part of our worship. It's unusual though because... Some people, I think, miss the greatness of this time here. They think, oh, just, you know, sermon, I'll endure it. How, how long is this going to take? Hope he gets us out in time to get to the restaurant. But this is also a period of our worship. This is not just a Bible study. This is a time of meditation for all of us. Yes, I've prepared a message, but I, I'm telling you, that the message that God has for us is something we're supposed to just dive into, absorb into ourselves. It's to become a spiritual act in us, not just an academic one. It's a time of spiritual enrichment. So here's the way I think of it. I, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to share with you what I've discovered from God's Word, but God's Word has the power and so as that word comes through me to you, I pray that it will land on your heart and that it will do what it was always intended to do in this moment right here, in our period of worship, as it affects our hearts. Now today is going to be a day of introspection for all of us. We're going to find out by the examination of this text whether or not we are distracted in our service to the Lord. And if it's found that you are, I hope you'll change it. I hope today you will resolve that things are going to be different. If you need to confess that to this body, I pray you'll have the courage to do it. Jeremy was telling me the other day, listen, people may be afraid to respond and let the body know that they need help. But understand, if, if you respond here, we don't broadcast that to the whole world. We pause the, uh, the uh, streaming so that we can do that in private as a family. And whether it is a need for prayer or encouragement or a response to the gospel in obedience to the Lord, whatever that is, that's, that's for us as a family. I just want you to know you have that privacy. And if you feel inclined to respond, know that 
there are brothers and sisters here who are right there with you. Before we start our study, let's, let's pray that God will, well, he'll help me to communicate in the best way I can what this text tells us. And I also always intend to pray for you because despite what I might do, I want God's word to really have its effect. So I pray that it will do that for you, whether I'm able to help it or not. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for this day and for this occasion to worship together. We thank you for this particular aspect of our worship where we will be meditating upon a portion of your word. Lord, you put these words in this book so many years ago, and now it has reached us in this time. And I pray that it will have the effect on us that you intended for it to from the moment that it was realized. Just impact us with it, Lord, and help us to see ourselves in your word and to respond to it. Have that kind of courage. I pray, Lord, that you'll help me not to get in the way of that, but just to help facilitate it. And I pray for our hearers that they'll be impressed with what you have to say and that it will touch them in the way that you intended for it to when you first spoke it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this section of scripture is really, it's, it's a narrative. It's just describing something that Jesus did. He's going from place to place. He's in a certain region, according to our text. We find out that's actually Bethany. And while he's there in Bethany... Well, Martha invites him into her home. And while in that home, he also interacts with her sister, Mary. And the text says that Mary actually sits at the feet of Jesus, and she's able to hear his word. So Martha has invited him into the home, and, and here's an opportunity for teaching. After all, Jesus is the great teacher. As he's teaching, sister is so enamored, she wants to hear, and she is blessed and benefited from the message that's taught. Martha and Mary, and then also their brother, Lazarus, live together here. We know Lazarus from that story in particular of his resurrection from the dead in John chapter 11. And there you have all three of these siblings interacting with one another. But here in this text, we just have another day. It's just one day among many other days that they might be interacting. And well, let me say this. When, when friends get together, I don't know about you and your friends. Typically when I'm with my friends, maybe somebody will say something I don't quite agree with or causes me to develop a question mark. More often than not, unless I just want to jab them a little bit, I probably let that thing go. I will actually be, seems like, more tolerant of my friends than maybe I am of people I don't know so well. Jesus, Jesus loved his friends, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. But he wasn't like I am. When Jesus experienced something, he was no respecter of persons in this way. That if it were a teaching moment, 
he wouldn't let that pass by. And a teaching moment occurred in the account that we find here in this text. If you are spiritually minded, if your mind is set on heaven, if that's your base of operations, then whether the thing is earthbound, let's just say a job you do, uh, your interaction with people, just your day-to-day activities, because your mind is in heaven, you'll deal with those earthly things in a very spiritual, heavenward sort of way. And of course, certainly, your thoughts about heaven will align that way. If your mind is not in heaven, then you've got a problem. Because you most likely will not make a distinction between things that are earthly and things that are heavenly. You will basically take your thoughts about heaven or spiritual matters and you will effectively corrupt them. You will will think of them in earthly type terms. That's what's happening here in this text. Jesus' mind is always heavenward. Recognizing a special work that he was doing among men that was not to be trifled with. There there was not time in the scope of Jesus' ministry to stop and back up or back off and say, I'll just let that pass. Jesus didn't operate that way. Because every moment that Jesus lived was a serious moment relative to salvation. Even in the home of a friend. Now understand, there were times when Jesus was with multitudes and teaching, he would be in some difficult circumstances, like when he's on the seashore pressed, or when he had to get out into a boat and he's out on the sea, or when he had to go up into the mountains. It's in Bethany that Jesus often went just to get away from everything, to spend time with friends. But it's right here in this very easy very comfortable circumstance that Jesus had to share with Martha a truth that I believe is important for us to grasp too. That we not have a mind that is devoid of understanding in spiritual matters. That we not have a divided or distracted sort of service. So Martha's distraction, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down into some components that I'm hoping are going to be applicable to us because we can see it from several different sides. Martha's distraction was made by double-mindedness. Now, in verse 40, a very simple declaration about Martha. The text says that Martha was distracted by much serving. Distracted by much serving. What, what exactly does it mean to be distracted? To be distracted means to be dragged down by something. Or the old 
King James translation used the word cumbered. That's not a word we use very much. I, I hear encumbered sometimes. That talks about restraints. But to be cumbered means to be burdened down with something. So to be distracted means that there is something I should be giving my attention to, but I am being drawn away from it by something else. It's pulling me down. It's dragging me down. In this circumstance, Martha is distracted by much serving. In other words, it isn't just the service that she was provided, but it was providing, but it was the degree to which she was involved in this serving. Let's get a little perspective on it. When Jesus talks about the heavenly things and the earthly things, and in our approach to each, and our understanding of who we are in the here and now, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but rather, he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart, your thinking, your mind is going to be set wherever it is that you've put your treasure, whether heavenly or earthly. And then Jesus comments on that further in verse 24, just a few verses later. He says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, the word mammon comes from the Arabic language. It, it, it has to do with things. We would often just equate it with money. That's an easy way for us to think of it. But it's materialism. Jesus says you can't have a mind for spiritual things, for God, and also a mind for material things at the same time. That doesn't work. God isn't accepting that. You probably know this just by your experience, but I just want to throw it out there. We certainly do live in a very materialistic sort of age. And while it is true that there are people, just as in every time, that clamor for things like bigger houses or nicer cars or a larger bank account, some kind of prestige in the world, the fact is that things have changed a little bit in our time. And that is that materialism has transcended only the material. It's begun to affect our mindset, the, the, the things that we dwell upon with our minds, even to the disconnection with the physical. And what I mean by that is this, this digital age that we live in. So there are all kinds of gadgets and machines that tend to just monopolize the human mind. You know this to be true. I've seen videos. Well, I just gave myself away, didn't I? I watch videos, and I've seen videos where, okay, so somebody, maybe they're walking out of Walmart or walking on the sidewalk, and they have that phone. They're reading texts or responding to them or checking up some of their social media. They are so focused on that they really don't know what is happening to them in the world around them. Next thing you know on the video, the funny part, they run right into a telephone pole 
or a light pole. Now, I'm just going to have to say, just to be totally honest, that that kind of thing's happened to me before. I was on my phone, walked out of Walmart or Target or someplace, you know, it's got those little low-lying poles, keep cars from running into the building, I guess, but they're about this big around. You'd think I'd miss it with all the space in between it, but went right to it, hit it, ran into my leg. I'm like, where did, where did that come from? Thing is, it's always been there. I was just distracted. N- not, not physically distracted. I was mentally distracted. That affected me physically. There is a world full of folks whose minds are occupied in other places. It, it is a bizarre reality of our time that the digital world has become just as popular of a reality as the real world. In fact, there are many people who are suffering mentally because of that disconnect. And anymore now, we have virtual everything. Virtual, think about that. That is not a true reality that we have made digitally to become a kind of reality. And many people cannot cope with real life because of the experience that they have in a digital reality. The sense and the idea of materialism causes us then to become, most literally, right, double-minded. I have a mind for one, a mind for the other. God says that's not, that's not possible. In fact, the truth of the matter is, if I'm double-minded then that means I, I, I really don't have faith in God to provide. If, if I'm going to say, well, I, I have faith and trust in God in this realm, I, I'm also going to build myself up or support myself in, in this other frame of mind. God says, no, no, you trust me or you don't trust me. Well, I guess initially we would ask, do I? I mean, my response to this is, that, do I trust God? Do I know that he will provide? Am I, am I satisfied in this reality? In Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to a stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Stop right there. You of little faith, who is that? That is the person who clamors after care will go into the world, even, even a digital kind of world to find satisfaction. But God says, don't worry about that stuff. I have you. Do we believe that? We may say yes to the question, but what does our life reflect? The text here says that Martha, she was distracted with much serving. In other words, that's all that was occupying her mind. 
she was distracted by double-mindedness. But she was also distracted by conflicting duties. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Verse 40. When I read through this text, I can't help but pause with this one phrase. Lord, do you not care? I just can't help when I read it to stop and think, wait a second, okay, I need to, I need to think about this setting for a minute because what, what's happening here is kind of unreal to me given my perspective on it. When I think of Jesus, I think of him dying for me. I think of his sacrifice on the cross. I don't ever wonder if he cares about me. 1 Peter 3, verse 12, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. I believe that absolutely. So I don't ever, no matter the circumstance, I do not ever stop and ask, Lord, don't, don't you care? But, but here Martha, let, let's give her a little bit of a break. Martha hasn't been through all of that yet. She doesn't know what we know. She will come to know at the resurrection of her brother Lazarus, she will come to know and realize and put an exclamation point there that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. She will come to know when Jesus dies and he's resurrected to actually see that happen and unfold. She will come to know that he is the Savior, that he shed his blood for mankind. When the church is established on the day of Pentecost, she will know the reality of all that Jesus did and how the church is the bride of Christ. She can come to know all that, but at this moment right here, she hasn't been through all of that. All she knows is Jesus is a friend of ours. He's a great teacher. She's coming to see him as the Christ, but maybe not as yet grasping it. It's just a great friend. And Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So, therefore, tell her to help me. Jesus, this is the setting that I have in mind. Jesus is teaching along there. Martha sees Mary. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's receiving the word of Jesus. And Martha, is, she is focused on hospitality. She's focused on serving these people that have come into the house and making a good showing for the good friend Jesus. And there's her sister just sitting down, not doing anything in her own mind. It's like, look, you could help me. Jesus, why don't you stop teaching for a moment and tell my sister to get up from there and help me with this. That's a conflicted duty. I want us to think for a moment about what this text is sharing with us. There is nothing wrong with hospitality. Nothing wrong with serving other people, clearly. But when that becomes the focus when that becomes more important to us than hearing the word of Jesus, 
we got to let that go. She was involved with much serving. Now, that's an interesting adverb there, much serving. Means that she wasn't just in the process of doing it. That's all she could think about. And so involved in that was she that she became effectively jealous of her sister who has opted out of service when she could help. So Jesus, stop what you're doing right now. Stop sharing that word and tell my sister to come here and help me. In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23, this is in the midst of Jesus' condemnation of a bunch of hypocrites. In this text, he's kind of winding it down, and he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! He says, here's what you do. You give tithes of mint, anise, and cumin, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. All right, there's our lesson. Is it good to give tithes? Were these folks right in doing that? Absolutely, yes. In fact, they were commanded by the law to do such. But Jesus' problem here was, you know, you go for the outward sign of things. You'll give the tithes, especially if there's a crowd standing by to watch you do it. You do those things, but what you actually forget to do is the very thing that you were born to do as as a child of God to demonstrate justice and mercy and faith. He says, yeah, you should have done those things, that's fine, but don't leave this other stuff undone. Martha, you want to keep a nice home, you want to be hospitable, you want to serve. Peace, that's great. But there's something happening here right now that is much greater, of greater importance than serving. Mary's taking part in that. In the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 59 and 60, this is actually the second of three kind of interviews that Jesus has with prospective disciples. The first one and the third one, those guys come to Jesus wanting to be his disciple. But this one right here in the middle, this one Jesus called himself. Jesus said to this guy, follow me. And he responds this way. He says, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and preach the kingdom of God. Sometimes when we read that, we might even take offense. Or we think that Jesus is using hyperbole. He's just kind of going over the top about this. Are you serious, Jesus? Really? Like if my father were dying, are are you saying to me that I should go preach the gospel instead of taking care of that situation? 
Jesus told that disciple who was either expecting his father to die or he had already died, listen, right now is a moment. Right now is a transitional period. You've got to take advantage of this. Yeah, there are responsibilities that we have. But when it comes to making a determination between a responsibility that is an earthbound responsibility and the responsibility that I have to God in the spiritual realm with my mind set in heaven, there should be no question of what's going to come first. And if there is a thing that I give more attention to, that I put a much greater account to, then I need to get rid of that. Martha was distracted. She was distracted by these these conflicting duties. When you and I, we were called to be Christians, we became became soldiers of Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. My number one priority, the thing that I must give my attention to, is not service. It is is to my loyalty to Jesus Christ. And then Martha... Her distraction even went so far as to be given by lesser pursuits. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. And one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Distracted by many things, worries, troubles, difficulties of this life, right? How do I choose? There's a story that Jesus tells another interaction that he has, another prospective disciple. In Matthew chapter 19, the story goes from verse 16 to verse 22. It's the story of the guy we refer to as the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus and he says, Good teacher, what good thing must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus responds, first of all, by saying, well, you know, why do you call me good? There's only one good, that is God. But I guess all things being equal, he says, okay, well, I'll tell you what it is that you need to do for eternal life. Keep the commandments. That young man says, which ones? Jesus takes him to two places. Takes him to the Ten Commandments. And then he also takes him to what Jesus would call the fulfillment of the law. 
Jesus says, okay, here's what you do. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Oh, and honor your father and your mother. And then, love your neighbor as yourself. He responds by saying, I've done these things from my youth. I get it. So you come to the great teacher and you're like, what do I need? You know, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm not sure you could throw anything at me that would upset me. So, you know, bring it. And so Jesus, what's interesting, there are ten commandments. Six of those commandments related to our interaction with one another. He mentions five of the six. He leaves out one. It's the elephant in the room. Do not covet. The secondary statement that Jesus makes about love of your neighbor was Jesus' description of the greatest commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. What is the elephant in the room? Man, what about covetousness? He he doesn't confront the man with that question. In fact, he stands justified since that wasn't ever an issue in the conversation. And so Jesus goes on knowing his heart. And he says, well, you know, that's great. Then all you need to do, sell all that you have. Give to the poor and come, follow me. Hang up with this guy. We're not sure until we see his reaction. He did not say, thank you, Lord, I'll work on that. The Bible just says that he went away sorrowful, for he had, and this is important, he had great possessions. Now, right there is an adjective that is doing the same thing that our adverb did a moment ago. Martha was involved not just in serving, but much serving. She had given a whole mind to that. That's all I care about. It's more important than actually sitting down and hearing Jesus, what he has to say. Serving. Being hospitable. The rich man says... He's got great possessions. That is, he wasn't just somebody who who had some things. They were great. They had become the fixation of his life. It was his life. Much great. Well, I wonder about us. The distractions that we have in our lives. If Jesus responded to us, how would that go? Maybe serving isn't your problem, being hospitable. Maybe it's not money, covetousness. So if you have eternal life, Jesus says, here's what you do. Sell, I don't know, do you... Do you spend, say, recreational time to the exclusion of spiritual things? 
maybe go fishing, hunting. Fishing and hunting season come in. Can't make the worship, you know. That becomes the predominant thing. Do much of that. Great interest in that. Maybe it's, maybe it's in your job. You know, you've gotten a promotion. Now you're a leader in the business. And maybe that leadership position now is taking you away from church activities or spiritual things. Don't have as much time to spend with your Bible anymore. You can't be involved in the activities of the church. Maybe don't even interact with your family that much. Hey, Ken, a man's got to make a living. A man's got to live. Man does not have to live. A man only has to die, and after that he's going to face the judgment. So I have to ask myself, what are the things in my life that have become great or much to the exclusion of the things of God? What is it that keeps me from hearing the words of Jesus? Look, nothing wrong with being hospitable or serving people in your home. Nothing wrong with having possessions, having a nice house, a nice car. Nothing wrong with anything until it takes the preeminent spot in our lives. When it stands in the way of us hearing Jesus, it's got to go. So... Martha. I get Martha. I read the story. I know she didn't really know who she's talking to until all that unfolds. Son of God, he died for us. Hey, I get that. If I had this perspective, when I, and it could have been with Martha, say, hey, Martha, hey, don't talk that way to Jesus. That's Son of God right there. He's going to save us all from our sins. She didn't know that. But we do know that. We do have a different perspective. We should have our mind on heaven. We ought to be able to deal with the circumstances of an earthbound life, realizing we're just sojourners. We're just passing through. But it might be true that maybe, maybe we haven't gotten to that place. Maybe we have, in fact, been distracted. Maybe we are double-minded, trying to be both a Christian and also friendly with the world at the same time. That isn't going to work. Something, something has to go. Maybe it is that we have conflicting duties. We have our duty to Jesus Christ, but Ken, I, I'm busy in this other area too. I've I, I got to give attention to that. Listen, if I'm giving more attention, if I'm preempting my relationship with Jesus for something that is earthbound, I've got to let that go. Or, you know, maybe it's just lesser pursuits that are a distraction to me. I clearly know what I ought to be doing. I'm just letting other things of this life get in the way. Introspection, right? How am I really? What's it really like for me? If you find that you truly are distracted... And you've got to wake up. If you need the prayers of this congregation and encouragement, we're here for that. If you need to obey the gospel, 
You're not going to save yourself. Only the blood of Jesus is going to wash those sins away. So if you believe He's the Son of God and God raised Him from the dead, today confess that faith. Repenting of sins. Confess your faith. He's the Son of God. Be buried in water. Have your sins washed away by the blood that Jesus shed for you. You'll rise in newness of life, a new creation. Today can be a day of great hope. Let's get beyond the distractions and set our eyes firmly on Jesus. If there's anybody who needs to respond, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand and sing together.
If you need uh, emblems to observe the Lord's Supper, if you'll hold up your hand, one of the ushers will bring you one. In Luke, the 22nd chapter, beginning in verse 19, And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup, and after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. I really like Luke's account of this because he shares that Jesus said, Do this in remembrance of me, which really tells us what we should be thinking about as we observe this Lord's Supper. Would you bow with me, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your love for us that you were willing to sacrifice your Son. And Father, as we partake of this bread, which represents his body, we pray that we would remember all that he went through for us. We thank you for this bread. In Christ's name, amen. Would you bow with me again? Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your love for us. We're thankful that Jesus was willing to shed his blood. We know that he was the perfect sacrifice for us. And Father, as we partake of this fruit of the vine, which represents that blood, we pray that we would do it in a manner pleasing to thee. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We also have the opportunity to worship through our giving. There are places that you can give at each of the entrances, and there are several other ways that are shown on the screen, giving online or taking it by the bank or mailing it here to the church building. Thank you. Let's go to God and give him thanks for all that he's done for us. Our loving Heavenly Father, you have blessed us beyond our wildest dreams. We are thankful for the material blessings that you've given us. We know it is just ours for a time and it's for your service. And we pray that you would bless this contribution. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here on this beautiful Sunday morning. We had 180 in services this morning. And that is all the announcements I have. Would you please stand for our closing prayer? Our dear, most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we do once again 
thank you for this wonderful day you've given us and the opportunity we've had to come out and study your word once again. Lord, we pray that what we've learned this morning, may we apply it to our lives, and may as a result, we better serve you. Thank you, Lord, so much for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the world. Forgive us, Lord, wherein we have sinned against you. For this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.